Right, it is Red Men Radio. It's our eighty fourth edition. What? Uh, yeah, no, Matt. It's Randy Moss's number. What? Sorry. What? It's Randy Moss's number. Yeah. Is that a person you grew up with or something? No. This is American football reference again, isn't it? Right, cool. Um, brilliant. <laughs> Can Chris get through the show now having mentioned NFL without using the word defense? No. Or offense? No. We'll, we'll play a little. We'll play a little game. First one to spot it, tweet at the Paul Machin and at Mr Bloodred on Twitter. And uh, um, um, I'll say thanks. Um, kick off question. Then Chris comes from uh, Christopher Stanley, who's uh, at Chris underscore Cat Guy. Um, which is either him giving away his superhero identity, mm-hmm. um, or he's just presumably banging to cats. Um, probably the first. Probably the first. Um, <laughs> if you could have one physical feature <laughs> from a current Liverpool player, what would you have? Right. Genie Wijnaldum's arse. Okay. It's big enough and strong enough to do what he needs to do, but it's also not as chubby and fat as mine. Okay. So I don't feel my body shape would change too much, but it, you know, just sort of right. tighten it all up just, a little bit there. You know what I mean? Just tighten. That's the noise you've got to make. Tighten, I think. When, you, when you're exercising or just once you possess that. Once that you possess it, that's what happens. That's I think. the noise that you I, make. I wouldn't know. I've never known it. But no, think, no. You know. Must make a last genie next time. And then I could start tucking my shirt into my pants because, you know, you could see that. <laughs> like, no, I don't think I can make that noise. Um, <laughs> great. I, I, see, if I was going to pick an attribute from genie, it would be the smile. Yeah, okay. his smile. He's got a world class smile as our genie, hasn't he? I'm not sure because I was trying to work out. I, I, I mean, any one of their general physiques would do. You know, like any, pick any of the players and say, "I'll have their six pack." Because you know, I don't think I'm ever going to have the, the possessing of the of the determination to get to that to get to that level of fitness. So something like that. But no, I, I mean, I was thinking about it like. Alison, I'm not sure it's a physical a physical feature so much as I'd take Alison's aura. Yeah, that's not a physical feature. Yeah, but it's, but it is at the same time. It's something that he. It's a physical thing that he transmits. Like I, I you know, it, and I think maybe it's a stature. physically transmitting an aura. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, how else would you transmit an aura? It's not because it's not yeah, a I thing. I don't think he even physically transmits something that's not there. Okay, but you know, yeah, okay. Well, I, I, let's say Alison's stature then. I think it's part and parcel of the same thing. Yeah. It's well, let's agree to disagree. So stature is not a physical stature thing. Stature is a physical thing. Aura is not a stature. Or is I know aura is not a stature. But a stature could can form part of your aura. How you carry yourself is part is your stature. And your stature is a physical thing. Yeah. You're talk uh, you're alluding to something. But that how do you people perceive how do you transmit your aura to someone? I don't think you can. I think well, not you, in the physical world. But you think you do? It's, it's how you carry yourself and how you conduct yourself is how you transmit your aura. So you want to be Alice, and you're going to snake all of it? No, no, no. I think, but I'll take I'll take whatever elements I can to fall within this category. So I'll take a stature if okay. we're going to be difficult about it. Of course, we're going to be difficult about you're, it. You're looking. For I'm me. already on the defense. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that. That no, I mean, or, or, or Virgil's either because I, I'm I think I'm the same height. You want to be tall, is that what you're telling me? Well, no, Paul? I am, you, you are tall, no, but I am tall, but it's a difference. I am the same height as Virgil van Dyke and probably slightly taller than Alison or there, thereabouts. But they carry them, they carry themselves They're just like bigger than you, that's why. But I, I, but I, I hunch a lot, maybe that's what okay. You want to be able to stand up straight. I want to be able to stand up. Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, fair. For the the question, I'll have the Liverpool player who stands up straight. I'll have Virgil's spine. There you go. That's that's what what we're looking for. There we go. Okay, cool. Genie's ass and Virgil's spine. Brilliant. (laughs) Fantastic. Welcome to the first 10 minutes of the podcast. That was great. Um, News, I say news in brief. There's a lot of stuff to get through here because as much as there's not been any action from the Reds. Um, this week, there's lots of bits and pieces going on. Um, Fabinho was linked away once again, Chris. Serie A this time, um, which I think it is. I think that people are just going through the leagues. It'll be the Bundesliga next week. It was um, it was PSG two weeks ago, which was denied. Uh, James Pierce has talked about this. Like Liverpool are, I think Clough is baffled by uh, rumours apparently linking Fabinho away. He thinks he's just starting to come good, and I think we kind of think that too. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean. 
I'm sorry, Juventus. You've, you've, you know, you've, you've signed Emre Can and he's not suiting mm. to your system. But you know, you can't have the one that we picked to replace him. Mm. It's as simple as that. Like. It's as simple as that. Um, yeah, that's a complete utter bollocks. There's no way Fabinho's leaving in January, uh, and he's definitely not leaving for Serie A, and he's definitely not leaving for AC Milan, who are a massive bag of balls. Um, I can understand the Juventus appeal, but let's be honest, Fabinho's got 15 years to, to, to move to a Serie A. No rush. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, no. Easy for like maybe twenty. Was well done. Was well past his best when he went to into Milan and got years and, and still got years in there. So yeah, um, plenty of time. Plenty of time, Fab. Um, Liverpool released a video of Oxley Chamberlain uh, going through his rehab process. Uh, he, his right peg's not there yet, but his left foot still isn't. Then proceeded there, right. to wallop a footy in the goal from like halfway. Um, that made it made me so happy just seeing him back playing footy. Yeah, but that's it. I mean. It made me happy because that's where we did dizzy penalties first and foremost. Yes. And then he kicked the ball and I was really happy yeah. at that point, like semi-unhappy because Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is exactly who you want to see kicking a football right mm. now. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, he's not going to get back in time for the end of the season. And then you're like, or is he? Mm. Come on. I mean, a left-footed Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I mean, I didn't know he was possessing of that left foot anyway. Yeah. It seemed pretty smart. You know, it must be... It's it, Obviously, he said, it, you know, it's not there yet, Like, but, you know... He's still better than me with just his left and a standing leg. The thing is, you, you talked to Chris Williams about this a few months ago, didn't you, on the Newsroom podcast, and he was saying basically... Simon Brundish. Simon Brundish, sorry. Um, saying that he felt it was going to be next season before we before we saw him back. And I think I, I would still stand by, you're not going to see the full-fledged, fully-powered Oxlade-Chamberlain until he has a pre-season now having come through this long injury. But it does give you hope because oh, it's November. Yeah. It's November and he's out on the training pitch and he's doing... He's doing Albeit very limited ball work. Sorry, Paul. We we took the guy from Manchester City, and three days later, Alex Oxley Chamberlain's kicking a ball. The fitness coach, by the way, not 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 Oxley Chamberlain. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe this is got a secret. Maybe he's got a secret <laughs> medicine. Maybe he's just said, "I'm the guy that fixed Kevin De Bruyne that in three minutes flat," and he's gone. You're healed! <laughs> you can walk again! And he's going like, hallelujah! And he's walking around and he gets over the end of the day, his knees just like a planet size swelling up like. But yeah, um, good, 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 good. Uh, look, that's exactly the kind of thing that he, I think he needs and I think it's good for him to be, to get back in people's minds and it's good for us. And yeah, we, we, we can hold out that positive hope that, you know, the last few games of the season we might see him I think the, the the type of injury that he's got is is all around movement and, and strength of that muscle, isn't it? You know, uh, strength of those tendons probably more more likely. Um, sorry, ligaments. Sorry, yeah. So it's the movement side to side. That's the that's the difficult thing. But the fact that he's able to stand on it, the fact that he's got a ball and he's messing around with the ball, that's normally one of the last things that you see, isn't yeah. it? So the strength won't be there yet. There will be building up time, and the, and he's got to do all this. But as you say, it's all about hope right yeah. now, and that's what and that's what we need as fans, I think, while we've not been as good going forwards, mm-hmm. and just sort of something to settle the nerves more than anything else. That he's he's gonna be okay. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, it's not a season-ending injury. You know, it's not a career-ending injury yeah. by the looks of it because yeah. he's already kicking up all. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and as you say. It's that we've seen him on treadmills and we've seen him doing this and that. As we know, knee injuries, it's not about you running in straight lines, it's how you turn and how you do this and that. So, but as I say, that he's there and you can see him, he doesn't because I my think my feeling is like if someone's gonna be completely out until like the summer, then I I'm amazed he's not still on crutches. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, yeah, as you say, the development process and the rehabilitation process is obviously a very lengthy one and a very stringent one as well. But um, yeah, that gives me gives me loads of hope. Um, Liverpool won't bid for Pulisic in January. This was kind of tied into the Fabinho stuff. There was rumours that we were going to sell Fabinho to fund Pulisic. Um, oh, sorry, Pulisic. I, keep, I was corrected so many times over the summer about that. Um, he, um, I think that's mad just in and of itself, to be honest, because there was clearly money there for Fakir. Yeah, and I can't imagine Pulisic is going to cost too much more than what was rumoured for the Fakir deal. So to to actually sell to buy for someone like that, it kind of doesn't make sense in the no, first it, instance. It, it feels all like that. Like you know, you make you make slightly more of a story to make it seem like more of a story. Um, what is what is telling in, in the echo? We're, we're talking about this. I think this might have been James Pierce again. Um, was like it's known that Klopp's an admirer of him. Klopp does want him at Liverpool. 
they don't think it's likely in January, but his contract runs out in 2020, which means that they might they're going to have to entertain offers in the summer if he doesn't sign the new deal. Now he might well sign a new deal. That, that kind of thing happens, but wouldn't be surprised to see Liverpool go back in, also, him in the summer. Also, he's game sharing with Sancho at the moment, isn't he? You know, he's having a struggle to keep that first team place each and every week, which is just a mad sort of well at the moment, isn't it? You know, he goes over there, Sancho is able to take Pulisic's spot almost, certainly in some games, and and now he's fallen a little bit out of favour, which may open the door somewhere else, and that's why they'll be worrying about that year left on his contract thing, yeah. because if he's not playing each week, every game, first on the you know first name on the team sheet, then he, Christian himself, might start to look around and go, what am I doing well, here? Let's, like? let's be honest, Chris. If we're talking fifty million, he's not worth fifty million pounds. He's not. He might well easily prove himself to be worth that. But right now, for a lad who, as you say, isn't a absolute, isn't this isn't the best player in Borussia Dortmund's side. And bear in mind that Dortmund, you know what they buy players in for, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and what they sell players for. They, you know, they get they get a good return in that regard. That would probably that would rank him as one of the the biggest sales. I think I, I don't know off the top of my head, like, but one of the the biggest returns they've had from a player from a player sale ever. For a lad who's, let's face it, I mean, I know the Dembele stuff blows that miles out the world, of course, like, but and maybe that's the thing that skews it a little bit is that they know that they, if, if a club's desperate for someone, they're under no obligation yeah, you, to when, sell. When you, I imagine when you're signing someone like him, you, you're not signing what he's worth now. You, you're signing potential, aren't you? A, a lot to do with that. Barcelona obviously did that with the Dembele deal. I think Mbappe was probably a large part of that as well. You know, he wasn't the finished article when he left Monaco. He's getting very close to the finished article now, but his fee was absolutely ridiculous because of his age and because of his ceiling. Yeah. And that's what you're getting into with Christian Pulisic as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it'd be very interesting to see. I mean, I, I spoke to Grant Wall in the summer about him and he's, he, he, you know, he knows... Uh, Christian very well and actually he wrote a section about him in his book uh, and he, I asked him about him and he basically said he's not ready he's just not ready you know and, and again it, to, 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 you don't want to you wouldn't go too big too soon on him because he might never be ready and that that's not I think there's a difference and I think there's just some players where you, you coaches scouts and whatever look at them and go yeah there, there you go there's the player and the player's going to be going to be an impact I mean like again Mbappe was having a solid tangible impacts and more impacts isn't he Mbappe ends up being more of a no-brainer even at that ludicrous fee than someone like people who probably needs another season or two just to find his feet yeah, and exactly. you know f- find out what type of a player he's going to be because you know his body's not there yet yeah. either is it you know we've seen so many young talented players we were talking about one the other week and Joe Cole who, who never quite got there but had all the skills mm. and the, you know the physical attributes weren't quite there and, and probably never really materialised yeah. and mental attributes as well yeah. Pulisic's in exactly the same boat at the moment and yeah. he will be a good player there will be a lot of clubs vying for his services uh, but but even if we were to sign him in January, which I don't think we're absolutely, you know, 100% not going to do, he wouldn't even get in the team till next season anyway. Mm, and yeah. if that's the case, why not get him a little bit cheaper in the summer? Yeah, definitely. Um, Virgil van Dijk scored a 90th minute equaliser for Holland versus Germany uh, to complete a, 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 a last-ditch comeback that sees Holland. I think they're pretty much through now to the semis of the Nations League. I, I don't fully understand the structure of that, and we're not going to get... We're just not going to delve into that now because we simply don't have the time. Um Absolute world of a finish from Virgil van Dijk. Love to see him. Just he's just, you know, we keep talking about these like the people. Is he the best centre half in the Premier League? He's the best centre half in the world. This is what top quality footballers do, Chris. It shouldn't come as a surprise to us that these players go on and they they have brilliant international no, careers as well. It, it shouldn't. And you know what? My first almost thought was when I saw that finish was PK. That's the type of volley that PK's almost been known for when he scores goals and, you know, quality finishes. And somebody, I forget who, somebody asked us a question on Twitter, how many goals would he score if he just played up front for one of the teams further down the league looking for a striker or something? You've got to say, maybe between five and ten, he would maybe ha- more. Would he have more or less of an impact on Liverpool if he, if he than Christian Benteke did? More. I think he'd. I think he'd have. I think there are about in both senses yeah. at the back end of the pitch and the front. He's end. just not because he's not going to be. He's not going to do the pressing. You know what I mean? That's not his. That's not Virgil's game, is it? Like you know I mean, I don't think he's not going to do the Firmino run tearing round, getting stuck in. But look at that. Look at the take for the one against Arsenal. That he, I mean, look, he ultimately misses it, but he's a centre half who gets up like 12 foot off the ground, brings the ball down in the 18-yard box and tries to side-foot the ball past the goalkeeper. And look, yes, he doesn't score it, so you know you can only give so much praise, but 
most centre-halves aren't doing that. No. Harry Maguire is not doing that. And maybe Harry Maguire scores because he just takes the header on first and foremost, but they're just possessing of so much quality that it wouldn't shock me. I think he'd sc- I think he would score goals if you put him centre-forward. So, yeah, that would be an Maybe 15, one. I'm going with. Yeah, 15 to 25. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, at least, he's at least as good as Harry Kane, I think, in terms of technical abilities. Like, um, But, you know, I think... It's, it, you need to you need to just be in front of goal more, don't you? You know what I mean. So maybe you know a shooting would be a bit off, but he could warm into it certainly. Um, Andy Robbo revealed that he nearly joined Stoke, uh, and he was quite excited by the prospect of joining Stoke, who had finished mid-table the season before under under Mark Hughes. He was gearing himself up for it. They were the strongest interested club uh, while he was at Hull. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing, Chris: if Andy Robbo at the time when we think what well, we were linked with him. If he'd signed for Stoke, I don't think any of us would have battered an eyelid at the time. I'd have been fuming. If well, we were genuinely interested in him, he'd no, no, Stoke no, over no, us, I'd have been fuming. No, 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 I don't mean if he'd chosen them over us, but Liverpool weren't interested at the time. Stoke were the only... The, Liverpool had not registered interest at all. But Liverpool were lightly li- li- rumoured and what have you. But we've seen that happen plenty of times where we think, oh, yeah, and you, you sell yourself on a player and then they go to someone crap and you go, well, that's, well, that's, that's why we didn't that's sign him. That's, that's, that's it, that's it. Because the crap. And we, would, we genuinely wouldn't have been asked if Robbo would join Stoke at the time. no. And yet, look at him now, he's basically the best left-back in world football. Yes. Hmm. Funny, isn't it? And he'd end up getting relegated. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'd have signed And then we'd have signed him this summer instead. Um, ben Woodburn could be recalled in January. We spoke about him a few weeks ago. He obviously played, he was, he was allowed to play for Liverpool under 23s recently because he's just not getting his game for, um, for Sheffield United. <sighs> it's a shame, that really, isn't it? Uh, he... He's, he's, his career is going to end up in bad limbo if he doesn't go and get his game somewhere. Well, um, maybe linked to the next story on the on the news in brief, Paul, to be honest with you. I think, you know, we're filming on the day where Sturridge has got up until six o'clock mm-hmm. to come out with his statements around the betting stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if we did recall him if Sturridge picked up some type of a ban or something, mm-hmm. you know, and I wonder if that is intrinsically linked together, those two, because... It feels like we probably do need somebody further up the pitch. Now here's a note of interest. Um and this is this is a bit of a stretch, I'll admit, because there's a lad who can't get in past but into the Sheffield United team at the moment. It was, you know, a decent championship side by all by all accounts, but they are what they are. There isn't Ben Woodburn, there's no position in Liverpool's team at four three three where he play where he fits in. Because he's not fast enough to play left wing, and he's not big, he's not strong enough to, or, or fast enough, or whatever, to play in one of the eights. In the, but if we switch, to, if we're making a permanent switch to four two three one, could you see him playing in the ten in that in that team, or actually from the left I in a more say, in a deeper left? I could certainly see him or Klopp attempting it. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's where he played for the for the for like the development team. Yeah, didn't you he? know, when he when we, we we started that game at three at the back, didn't we? And then we switched it up, and he played in almost a ten against. Was that was that Stoke a couple of years ago? No, he got he got hooked, didn't he? he played. Did he get hooked in that game? We've certainly seen him in the midfield in a four three three. Although I don't actually think it suits him. It's definitely a position on the pitch where I think he could almost pull the strings a little bit now. Is he good enough right now in a team that's challenging for the title? Probably not. I think, and you know, the, the fact is evidenced by the fact he's not getting into Sheffield United. But if his development isn't going in the trajectory that Klopp wants it to go, then bring him back in, get him training with the better players, and see, see him for yourself almost. Mm. Glasgow Rangers, mate. Just saying, mm. just saying. Um, yeah, and as mentioned, still no further movement on the Daniel Sturridge stuff. As you say, uh, uh, yeah, six pm Tuesday um, to put his to put his you know his, his response into the charge. Which, given that like a week ago he said he was he was not guilty. What was interesting again from the Liverpool echo that the, the, the apparently it pertains to his to his move to West Brom. And betting around him signing for West Brom, basically. So it's not about, not necessarily about games. Yeah, but, it was, it was all, that came out the first day. But yeah, about like that, which is mad when you think about it because, like, now if someone, if Sturridge has said, which we don't know, we had, you know, said to someone, I'm moving here, go and, go and chuck a load of money on it for me, then what an idiot. But, you know, we see this all the time. You know, players' family get onto get onto deals, and we hear rumours about like there was loads of on the Ricky Lambert stuff. People knew that was going to happen not long before, but in advance. You would if you found out and you knew it was going to happen. 
you probably would go, why wouldn't you chuck a couple of quid on it? But is that then the player's fault? A player's not allowed. What a player's meant to what a player's meant to do in that regard, not tell anyone uh, well, about that, these things? Or You know, we, we did a, a quite a big seg- segment on this on last week's Red News Roundup with Steve uh, on the website, and you know, we were talking about that, and it's like, clearly you have to, you probably have to sign an NDA, an undisclosure agreement, um, so that you can't tell people what's going on. But there are... Am I looking for somewhere to live? You know what I mean? I, I, think, the, I think the line is, and I'm not going to say this verbatim, but... It's not, you can't put out there in the public domain something that's not public knowledge with regards to transfers and the betting yeah. and all that type of stuff. But inadvertently, you would be, you know, you, you start looking for somewhere to live yeah. and then somebody knows all well, of a sudden just, or, you, you know, you, that, you might talk to your takes, family and say, oh, well, I'm moving back How many home. times do mums post pictures of weddings or babies on Facebook that they're not meant to before them? It happens. Literally once a week, you, you know what I mean, in families. All it takes is just his mum to be a bit excited that he's going to come home, he's going to be he's going to be living at home for a few weeks and just put... And then all of a sudden you've got to... Yeah, I know. I mean, we're, we're But making, ultimately, we, we don't know what it is. We yeah. don't know how it's come out, so... It's going to be interesting to see what happens in that. And it was it was telling that, you know, the comparisons, comparisons have been made with Joey Barton, but his was a... A very, very, very serious case over you know a decade worth of stuff uh, of evidence you know which led to him getting a you know a very severe ban. I, I, reading that, and again, I would go and check out Olive Pelecho's take on this for, for a bit more depth and detail on it, of course. But the um, I, it doesn't sound like it'd be too bad, regardless of regardless of what happens. So yeah, fingers crossed on all that stuff, and we'll know a little bit more later in the week. But yeah, check out the Red News Roundup show, which is coming out Thursday, um, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening this week on the RedmenTV.com. We'll know a little bit more by that. So yeah, pick up those stories and all the transfer stuff as we gear up towards silly season kicking off again. Right on that show, right, um, Chris? You know, we, our podcast is performing so well. That believe it or not, we've managed to attract the sponsor, and that sponsor is Beer Fifty Two. Now, bear with us because we are rank amateurs when it comes to this stuff. So we're going to make sure that we we say everything that we need to say in the way that it needs to be said. Um, Chris, how would you like a free case of craft beer? Uh, like 10? Yeah, 10. 10 out of 10. Um, well, as a listener to our show, oh, so not you, uh, we'd like to thank you for listening with the help of our friends at beer52.com. Just go to beer52.com forward slash TV to claim a free case. Uh, we've also put the link in the description. Chris Pager. Beer52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, searching out incredible exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bringing them back for their members. There's a whole world of craft beer out there and this is your chance Paul to get on with discovering it yes I will be getting on board with that every month focuses on a new country or theme and listeners who sign up now will get to discover fantastic beers as part of their great British road trip selection featuring amazing beers such as Fierce's Moose Moose 4.5% chocolate milk stout Black Isle's Golden Eye uh, 7% West Coast style IPA and an easy peeler a citrus session IPA from London's See, I'm not much of a craft beer drinker. I like the occasional craft beer, but what I like is the fact that they've put they've sent you a magazine. It's called Ferment Magazine. There's a hundred pages, and it's included in the box, and it tells you all about how they're made and and and, and tasting notes and stuff like that. Because sometimes when I'm drinking a beer, I'm like, mm, that's hoppy, because I've heard people say that. Yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what exactly, I mean? Like, yeah, mm, yeah lovely and hoppy. Yeah. But it's actually nice to be able to be told. What you are tasting? Yeah, it's about it's about a genuine love of the beer as opposed to just slamming something down, you know. So yeah, you get to get to think a little bit more about it. And this is the thing. This is this is actually bang up my street in that I don't. I'm not a big drinker these days, but I like a nice beer, and I like to be able to sample new things. And the beer's become the it's become the new wine, hasn't it? In that regard, where people who really like to talk about these things and like to get involved and it can do just that. Anyway, as a listener of our show, you can try your first case for free. Just pay £5.95 postage. That's an eight incredible craft beers, ferment magazine and, and a snack. I love a snack. Oh yeah. Uh, delivered next day shipping. It's a no brainer. There, but there, there's no minimum commitments. <laughs> so you can just take the free case 
Try the beers, see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause it or cancel at any time. Beer 52 actually has a five-star trust pilot rating, so it's easy to see that their members love the service. And it's www.beer52.com forward slash TV. Sign up, 5.95, eight beers, a snack, Ferment Magazine. And if you like it, yeah. keep it. If you don't like it, pause or cancel any time. It's that simple. Absolutely. So we've actually got them here. There is the, the Moose Moose... See what they've done there? Yeah. Moose, moose. Right. Like as in chocolate moose. That's the chocolate stout, which sounds absolutely amazing. Um, that is Mocha Porter. That was the one you were yes. interested in, wasn't it? Yes. Um, we've got, oh, hello. Uh, we've got Black Isle Brewing Co's Golden Eye. Yeah. I feel like breaking out into a bit of Tina Turner, but I won't. Um, Try that. Yeah, I will do. Easy peeler. There's the citrus <laughs> session India pale ale. You know what the thing is? This appeals to my sense of aesthetic as well because I like again. This is I, I, I've become a big and there's there's our, there's the snack. What is it? Love corn. I'm a big fan. Habanero of corn. chili. Get him over here. Yeah. The five point XPA. A juicy tropical extra pale ale. Yeah, big fan of that. This is gonna be hot, isn't it? Almost certainly. And Zara, a cold style beer there, yeah. Um, and last but by no means least on the beer front, Pale Armadillo. Mm. And as mentioned, there's the Ferment Magazine, which we've taken absolutely expert care of since it's been sent to us. This is how popular this has been. Look at this, look at the state of this. <laughs> that has been passed around our office. Because we've got a lot of people who, who love a nice beer in our office, apparently. Um, so, yeah, there's the magazine. It is. My word, it's 5.9%. much in Fabulous. What was I in for? The Moose Moose. I thought you were going Easy Peeler. Why would I do that? I don't know. You said something about it being aesthetically pleasing. No, I said they all are. I like a, I like a good random... A random Cheers, boy. Mm. Don't just leave me hanging. Oh, you got a 4.5%, sir. Brewed in Camden North by Northern Monk Brewing Co. Yorkshire. So United I, Kingdom. I'm going to level with you, Chris. I was unsure about doing this on the on on the podcast. The whole, the whole let's drink on the podcast. We never drank on the podcast before. I don't, you know, we're not West Ham fan TV. We don't we don't you know we, we don't do we don't centre our stuff around 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 beer. And yet here I am drinking a chocolate stout in the afternoon. I uh, was recording the podcast, and you know what? I'm thoroughly enjoying it, mate. I'm perfectly honest. Can we swap? I want to try that. Absolutely not. Um, right, let's move on then. You know, I'll tell you what, let's, let's display these. I mean, we realise, of course, this is both an order, auditory and a visual medium. Um, so we want to cover all aspects in that regard. The cup of tea is done, and it's been firmly replaced by my chocolate mousse beer. Um, let's crack on then, Chris. Um, oh, I want to talk about the season As a so coffee far. drinker? Yes, yes, please. Uh, yes, thank you. I want to talk about this. Yeah, stop slamming your beer. And you get, get close to me, yeah. Are you kidding me? Right, um, the season so far, then, Chris. Um, mm. It's been a we did we've done a lot on this notion of like I think people's emotions are maybe clouding and emotions slash Man City are clouding how the season's gone so far. I want to talk about a few of the 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 individual aspects of the season, starting out with the performers of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a case to be made. In the in the first that first spell of games, maybe the five six first five or six or seven, I think Genie Wijnaldum was probably our our best player at the time. Do you think he's still in that bracket as we hit this? Yeah, I think I do, I do actually. I do think he is. I think you know, I would say he was the standout performer. Him and Mane probably first few games of the season were the two that were making this team click. I still think. He's up there because with the change in formation, he's actually kept his level there. He may be not as high up, but he's certainly still there or thereabouts. And it must be difficult for him because he's playing with a new person in the midfield that he's yeah. never played with before. So he's managed to keep his level up while also adjusting to the system and playing with a new centre midfield well, partner. Think about him. He's been. I I think. I think his performance have tailed slightly and only so much as because he's been moved around so much. I think I don't think he's had a bad game playing in the six. I think he's in fact I think he's been impeccable playing mm. in the six for us this season. I think of the I, can, I think of two games where he's played in in more of an eight, and I don't think he's performed particularly in either of those games. And then I think of the games he's played in a two in the midfield, and I think he's been fine in those. Um, but as it, he's the one, he's, he's been. We've asked so much of him this season. No one else has been asked to do that level of. 
that level of rotation in that regard. And I think it speaks volumes to how much Klopp trusts him and how much Klopp rates him. Now, maybe if Cater hadn't got injured, it might that might have changed things a little bit and maybe we've seen Genie rotated a little bit more. Um, but I think, yeah, I think in terms of level of consistency, it's telling that he's we've looked to find a way to get him into the team as much as Absolutely, possible. Absolutely, because Klopp knows what he can do. You know, he started out life as a left winger when he came from Newcastle. And we brought him down, we dropped him 11, he can play that eight. Then we started to see him play that six last season. So it stands to reason that he can, he, he's a bit of a jack of all trades, but not in a bad way, mm-hmm. in a very, very good way. Yeah. And I think the level of trust that he's been shown when we've moved to the 4-2-3-1, someone as experienced as James Milner yeah. hasn't been given that role yet. I think that tells you all you need to know because James can play absolutely anywhere on the mm. football field and yet it's been Wijnaldum and Fabinho as the two holder mids and yeah. not Milner and Fabinho. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone, I mean, I, I think Shaqiri's been like, I was it unsung? He's not been unsung. He's developed an absolute rabid following of people who, who absolutely adore everything that he does. Um, I think he is like, I think he's bubbling under at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like he's not. I don't think he's put a foot wrong for Liverpool since he's since he's joined the club. You, know you can't I mean? ask for a better start to a career from somebody who, you know, how difficult is it to for a, a lad bought for a lad bought effectively as our twelfth or thirteenth exactly. Player. And it's it's not that that's impressed me. It's the fact that he's doing it with so few minutes. Mm. You know, he's got two goals and two assists so far this season. And you're looking at him, and you're thinking he's not even getting ninety minutes every week. Yeah. You know, he's he's come on with twenty minutes to go, and he's impressed in those twenty minutes. And I think we've all said over the years how difficult it is to impact the game of football when you come on. Like the best subs mm. are really and truly head and shoulders above the others. But he's doing that. Think about the players that we've signed over the years, and it's really because we've got a, the bonus Q and A which we do on the website, which leads directly on from this podcast. We've been asked to asked to form our eleven. Um, a Liverpool eleven of players who we wish had made at Liverpool, but it never worked out for them. There are so many lads we've bought in the offensive positions on on the field, whom they don't get a run of games, and they always look like they've got a bit of something about them. But they, because of injuries or because of the form of the of the established players, they just never get that chance to, to to break in and shine. And so you're always thinking, oh God, what if you know? What if they just got if you give them five games to shine? I don't know that I don't know if Shakiri will get that, but the point is, as what you're saying there, he's shining on sub appearances. He's shining on the the last few kicks of the of the football match. He's been coming on with 15 minutes to go, and still showcasing. And not his only ability. that, he's, he's he's already linking up with our main man, mm. and he seems to have almost a symbiotic relationship with Salah already. About you know they know where each other are going, and I remember the last couple of games, Salah leading the line and. I'm, I'm trying to get in behind from the edge of the 18-yard box yeah. and Shaqiri's able to deliver that ball. Yeah. And how many times I've sat here over the years and said something like, only Pirlo can play that ball. Like, that is high praise. You know, yeah. he's, he's trying to chip over and, and, yeah. and land it in a spot and Salah's getting there. Yeah. Now, he might not have scored from them just yet, but that right-footed volley last time was, was it against Fulham. You know, that's a pinpoint pass yeah. into Mo Salah and he, he understands it and... Is Roberto Firmino being dropped into the 10 because it's somewhere that he's played before? Or is Roberto Firmino being dropped into the 10 such that we can get Shaqiri into the side? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? It's something we, we hypothesised last week, but you could make a, you could say, make a case for that. Is the, at the four, front four, let's say Mane, Salah, Shaqiri and Firmino, there's one of them lads that I would say isn't in great form this season at Roberto Firmino, which I, stands to reason that Shaqiri's in form and is pushing for a place well, in the side. When you consider... That Roberto Firmino scored 27 goals last season, leading the line for us and playing it in the, the way he play, he, he plays it. He is, yeah, he's being, he's not going to score 27 goals from that position in a 43 one. He's not. You don't score 27 goals from the 10 unless you've got. I think you need electric pace and, mm-hmm. and to be and to be a bit more single-minded in how you do it. So you're right. He is being asked to at the moment to do a bit more of a job for the team. And that does mean accommodating Shaqiri and accommodating Manny and accommodating Salah. So, yeah, um, very, very encouraging from, from Shaqiri, certainly. I think the one the one player that for me, Chris, um, and I say I've got, like, any surprises in this. Not a surprise, but in, like, a, I'm not shocking. I'm not shocked by, by, the, by the player I'm about to put forward, but I'm so pleasantly surprised is Joe Gomez. Yeah. You know, we, we talked in the summer and we talked about him 
being this option for centre-back. And it was another one of those situations where there was no evidence to suggest Joe Gomez was going to start the season at centre-half for Liverpool. You know, he played right back on the end club. Everything still pointed towards him. There was a, I think there was a game against Tottenham in the Cup. And that was pretty much the only start that I can remember him making at centre-back. And be honest with you, I didn't think he was that good in that game. Mm. I didn't think any of them were that good, to be fair. like He, uh, he played... You know, we saw him predominantly there during pre-season, which gave us a bit of a, a, a note of encouragement in that regard, of course. But he, to the point where Klopp clearly likes Dejan Lovren, and Dejan Lovren is clearly a very good centre-half, regardless of our, our feelings being a bit coloured by some of the, you know, the missteps of the past and what have you. But, you know, again, this is a lad who was... You know, formed a really good partnership with Van Dijk last season. He was our one of our outstanding centre halves in the Champions League final. He got to the final of the World Cup, etc., etc. And Gomez comes in, and we've, we've used this expression a few times about the evolution of this side. Players come in, and you're not sure until you see them play a couple of games, and you, and then you're instantly sure about them. And I am I from game one, coming up against Arnautovic who should have given him an absolutely torrid time. And all my little concerns that I had about him were not, you know, not totally laid because it's been an ongoing process, but he's handled every test that he's been presented with and I think he's passed it with flying colours it's, so it's far. It's the different types of strikers that he's come up against. He's come up against quick guys, he's come up against strong guys, he's come up against almost wing forwards who are cutting in from the from the wing into his area of the field. Yep. He's able to deal with every single scenario that's thrown up, thrown up in front of him. And, you know, he's able to cover his fullback. He's able to cover Van Dijk. He's got blistering pace. He sees the game. Mm-hmm. He understands it. He reads the game. And his passing is on point almost all the time. And you're thinking to yourself, what, what is that this lad can't do? I mean, you know, we've been linked with... The delights of this world, or whatever it is, you know, from Holland, the young young lad there. I'm thinking to myself, can he be better than Joe Gomez? Because if he's better than Joe Gomez, buy him. Yeah. But yeah. like, because yeah. th- that is the best centre back partnership in the world right now. Joe Gomez and Virgil Van Dijk look like they could they could be the back line for at least another seven years, and we could have the best defence in the league. Seven years, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Why not? But you're right. At least, at least. It means we've got no worries over it and we haven't had a solid defensive partnership. And also, could, Gomez would be 27 or there or thereabouts. I mean, Virgil would that. be 35, but yeah, you know. But that, then, then, then who's your next guy coming yeah, in? Yeah. You've still got five years of Joe Gomez after that. You know, yeah. we heard this when he came from Charlton, didn't we? We spoke to someone on the on the channel and he was talking about just how good he could be. He could be and you're thinking to yourself, those injuries, though, they're. They're terrible, hmm. those injuries. But he's he's surpassed everything that I thought we were going to get for three and a half million pounds. Yeah, no, completely, completely agree in that regard. He's been he's been excellent, and I, I think it's I think it's fair to say I think Liverpool have been performing. We said this performing within themselves. Is anyone else you want to throw in? Sturridge, this? Sturridge. Okay, yeah, that's an you interesting know, shout. I didn't have any expectations of what Daniel Sturridge would be this season. I no, you know, my only expectation injured. He wouldn't be at Liverpool. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and if he stays, he's going to be injured. Yeah. And yet, of all the players that we've got, he's scoring a goal every 90 minutes. Now, to put that in into context, Salah's 171 minutes per goal or something yeah. at the moment. Daniel Sturridge is at 90 minutes. Yeah. And you think to yourself, you know, Sturridge can't lead the line and all this. And all this. We're only a few weeks removed from him scoring against PSG when he started. And everyone was absolutely shitting yeah. themselves about that, you yeah. know what I mean? And the lad has still got it and he's almost accepted his place within this squad now yeah. and that's the thing that I wasn't sure Sturridge would be able to do because yeah. everybody knows he's talented yeah. but can he mentally get in the right place so that he can deliver when he's given opportunities well he has well, he dead, and he is you're dead right he doesn't look like um, we're just putting Daniel Sturridge doing a crap impression of, of good Daniel Sturridge in the team anymore. We look, and we, so you remember like the, the tail end of Torres and the Torres that Chelsea had and blah, blah, blah. But then you compare him to Atletico second time round. Torres, who obviously decided to change his game, became a bit more of a target man and what have you, and got longevity out of his career that people probably didn't think. AC Milan, when he goes there, and might as well have not bothered going there. Daniel Sturridge. Even like the Huddersfield game, which was one, which was a, a bloody struggle for us to get over the line. There was that first half when he was dropping deep and looking to play balls in and link, and, and link the play, and we didn't look like we'd missed a step. And ultimately, yeah, you know, we we had a real struggle to finish that game off completely. But that PSG goal scores twice in scores in both Chelsea games as well. The, the absolute, you know, worldy Chelsea away to rescue a, a point as well. 
this is the this is these are levels. You know, we've we've just gone from a season with of Danny Ings and Dom Solanke in rotation, and Danny Ings is having a, a pretty solid season so far. And I think he actually would have had that season for us if he if he'd stayed this year as well, um, or at least been been able to contribute a little bit more. Daniel Sturridge is an absolute class act, and if it provided his own head doesn't get in his way, or an FA charge. Um, this is what this he, he, we saw a little bit of this last season. He scored like three goals. For, he scored more goals than Solanke and Ings combined last season, and he only played. He was only with us for half the season. If we scored four this full, season, exactly. If we can get the full season out of him, you might see Daniel Sturridge get to maybe get to double figures in all com- in all competitions, and that is exactly what Liverpool need because in the world where we probably do need one more body for tr- to be. In rotation, I think I think we need a really young, pacey guy to to to, to be in rotation or understudy to, to Sadio Mane. You need goals from you need more goals. We're not those our front three are not going to replicate the goal scoring feats no. from last season. So you need goals from elsewhere, and it's not just about having another. Sometimes there's only so many goals you can score in a match because we scored seven like what two two or three times or whatever last season. You need your goals have to come off the bench. Your goals have to come when you're rotating things. Your goals have to come when you take one of those players out of the team. And at the minute, Sturridge like Shakiri. Yeah, I think I think that's a very good point to make. Um, performances wise, best performances. I, I really like the PSG one because yeah. I wasn't sure what we were going to see from Liverpool again in that game, and you know to come out and win three two and put them to to the sword to begin with as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. Obviously, the West Ham one sort of set the tone for the season, or what we thought was setting the tone, and it yeah. maybe it maybe it wasn't. Uh, I'm glad we played them a little bit early. Other than that, you know we we. We played Red Star and we beat them 4-0. That was a good performance against what we know is now a good side as yeah. well. You know, there's a bit of context to that game where you go to their place and they're very, very good and you realise how, just how good Liverpool were in that first one. So they're probably the standouts for me. It's interesting because I think probably Spurs away for me. Oh, yeah, the 2-1, yeah. Um, was one of them where, again, the score lines don't match up the same way they did last season. And that's the thing about this 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 campaign. I'm not sure we've had the high points. No, you know, I contextualise that with we only were just starting to get them around this time a couple of games obviously we had the Maribor and then we went and got battered by Spurs we'd already been battered by Man City at, at this point of the season um, so that's an issue of course but the, the, the I don't think we've had that perfect marriage yet of scintillating performance and the the, the end result to match just yet I don't because I don't, I don't think we'll look back on the Red Star game as like Particularly fondly, or definitely not the Cardiff game because we made bloody hard work of that. Even though the that was a good was week, quite, we scored good. eight in that week. Yeah, and one, well, exactly. We? This is and this is the nature of how cheerless we're being. I think about the, about the whole thing. I still think we Liverpool are lacking that that definitive performance. Man City could have been it because I thought we played really well in that game, but it was hampered by the fact that we're so used to beating Man City at Anfield that getting a draw. Almost but I know, takes I know what you mean though, because I think back to that. That 4-1 at the Etihad a couple of years ago. And that was almost a blueprint for what that Liverpool side were about. I still don't feel we've had that blueprint yeah. shown to us this season yet. Yeah. Or maybe maybe the blueprint, we, we have seen it. Maybe we just haven't recognised it. it. Maybe yeah. it's just your 2 nils against Fulham. Yeah. And, all, and, and those type of fixtures, it's that pragmatic winning games without getting out of, you know, getting into top gear. What would you say hasn't worked? Mm. Um, <laughs> 4-3-3? Yeah, you could make a case for it, yeah. You could. I think probably, I'm not sure, I feel bad saying this, but Trent at right back. Okay. I just don't feel like it's there at the moment, and I don't think it's just his fault. I do feel it comes down to the fact that Mo Salah hasn't been playing in front of him. Mm-hmm. I think he's always had that easy out ball where he can just blitz it down the line, curl it round, and know that Mo's going to be there. And he's got the ability to hit that ball nine times out of ten, so it made it a lot easier for him. What we're seeing now is him having to think about what he's doing in that position a little bit more. And yeah. you know, I'm not saying that he's been. You know, shown up every week because I don't think he has been. Oh, no. But in an attacking sense, he's just not been the same player. And because of that, the knock-on effect is I don't think we've been the same size. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's interesting. I, I'd have probably I'd have been inclined to one hundred percent agree with you. Know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe I, I, I think it's interesting because we had this debate about him about his performance the, the other week, and I think 
in in retrospect, I was loads more pleased with how he performed. You know, obviously gets the, gets an assist as well um, for Mo Salah. So I think I I just think that that it's symptomatic of the whole thing. I think that the the, the free flow and attack and football with Salah from the right, Firmino in the in the in the, the nine false nine, or whatever, Manny from the left, etc. etc. I just don't think that's clicked in the same way for us, and I think this is why I do. I feel like four two three one is a reaction. I don't feel like we went into this season going. I mean, maybe we did. You know, maybe it was like we're going to eat. We're going to slowly transition towards that, which I wouldn't be surprised by ultimately, because you know we we do have some forward thinking coaches and a manager. Um, however, I do feel a little bit like they see what we see. That we're not getting enough creativity from midfield, and maybe it's just that. Maybe there was a hope that Shaqiri might fit in a little bit better in the midfield, but we had a look at it in, in you know against Southampton for forty five minutes and went, ah, no, no, this is not gonna, this is not gonna work for us. Um, and maybe that was a fact, or maybe not getting, you know, again they're not getting Fakir. I think they thought they could, ha- they thought they could handle all that, not having that player. They thought we could get more out of the midfield. Maybe they thought they'd get more from Naby Keita. Mm-hmm. Maybe they thought he'd have a bigger, a bigger impact or whatever. But I think it's, I think it's fair to say that we've looked at our most exciting. With a four-two-three-one now, caveat that we've probably played that against that we've played that against weaker opposition, so it's hard to tell. But I think until we see we come up against a big team in our in what Klopp would consider our best formation. So what formation do we play against Man United? And 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 if we can really turn it on in that formation, that would give us a little bit more relief. But at the minute, I think that I, I think we all feel more comforted. With Shaqiri in the side, and Shaqiri's most likely to be in the side at the minute when we're not playing. Yeah, I think that's three. right, isn't it? it? Just he doesn't seem to fit because you're sacrificing one of Mane, Firmino, and Salah. Mm. Right. Um, we're going to crack on. We're going to talk a little bit about the festive period because there's ten games between now and, and New Year. Um, a couple of massive ones, and obviously a lot of some very season-defining moments on the horizon, which I really want to delve into. Before we do, um, you wait, you know, eighty. Three episodes for a sponsor and two come along at once. Um, we're going to be down at King's Cross Station on Thursday um, for around 10-ish. Um, yeah, Western Union have got an event there. John Barnes is going to be there as well. Yes, so take a shot. Win Liverpool prizes. King's Cross Station from 8am till 7pm on Thursday. John Can we Barnes. win the prizes? I want to um, win the prizes. I'm going to win the prizes. I, even if we are allowed to... I'm going to win them. Okay, fine. I'm going to win them all. Have a go. We're definitely def- having a go. I'm not going to go all that way and not have a go myself. Um, I think you will beat me, but I don't think that you will be good enough to win a prize. Go Maybe on, with Genie Wijnaldum's arse, I down. Um, Challenge accepted. Yeah, John Barnes is going to be there. Liverpool legends from 8am to 11am. We're going to be chatting to him as well. That video will be coming up on the redmentv.com. But yeah, if you want to go and meet a genuine Liverpool legend, please do. Uh, yeah, and come down. Basically, it's, from what we know, it's like, it registers your, your kicking speed or kicking power. Yeah. Uh, so come down. If you think you've got a, a belter of a left or right peg on you, uh, come down, come say hello to us and come and have a go and win some Liverpool prizes. Sounds pretty good to me. Can't wait. Um, yeah, cannot wait indeed. Uh, so yeah, Christmas coming up, Chris, very, very fast. We looked at the calendar. It was like, oh yeah, there are a lot of games here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 10 games, as mentioned, between now and New Year. It's... Obviously, we've got two big Champions League deciders in, in in the midst of all that. Big games against Man United, you've got the Merseyside derby, and it, it, this period, cul- I say culminates with Arsenal. It, it only culminates in so much as this year culminates, because then we've got a few days and then we play Man City, of course, but putting that to one side for the moment. Um, it's massive, isn't it? You know, we, we, for whatever we say, and look, this is true of every period of football, but you know, for the sake of argument, let's delve in on this. We... We'll know far more about how Liverpool season's going to pan out by the time we get to the end of 2018. Yeah, that's we- how it works, isn't it? Well, no, you play ten, you play ten games in 36 days. You are going to know roughly where you're going to finish. This is the big test, and also I think it's a, it's a big test for all the teams. You get through the back end of the Champions League stuff, and you think, take a breather here, but no, the, the, the domestic stuff all ramps up as well, and. Look, for me, if Liverpool are going to win the league this season, we talk about this all the time, Liverpool are the only team that's ever been top at Christmas and not got on the win the league, and we did it twice, um, by the way. I think Liverpool will be top of the league at Christmas this year. Wow. Um, and I think if we want to win the league this season, I think we have to be top of the league at Christmas this year because Man City-Chelsea's coming up. 
When's that? Like the eighth of That's December. The eighth of December. Uh, we play Bournemouth first as well that weekend, albeit it's an early kickoff, which we know Jürgen and we and everyone hates. And having to be at Bournemouth at twelve o'clock is no good thing or at all at, at any time. Um, apologies to people to the people of Bournemouth, um, but not really. Um, yeah, that that game is so massive that for me, the, the little chunk of games leading up to that, we need to make sure we're within touching distance so that that game week matters. Yeah, it has to because you need to be in touching distance, as you say. You you want to go in there. I actually thought I've got it written down as a home game, to be honest with you. So is it an away game, mm-hmm. right? That 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 changes my outlook on almost all of this because I'm looking at it going. There are a lot of home games here. Liverpool have got a, a decent little run of fixtures, you know. But Watford, Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth, four wins, and you maybe top of the table. It's entirely possible. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing, and that, that works in our favour. The only thing that's, I mean, that's, I mean, the Merseyside derby, you never know, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But having having Everton at home is a very is a very encouraging thing in that regard. But the 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 trick, the problem is, of course, is that. So yeah, as you say, the the fixtures as it looks is Wofford away, PSG away, Everton at home, Burnley away, Bournemouth away. Those two back to back away games are not to be are not to be sniffed at particularly given how hard work we made of Burnley away last year and the fact that Bournemouth away is a bit of a nightmare at, at, at the best of times. Yeah, but you, you know, you've got to look at it and go, Watford, that's probably, the other than Bournemouth, that's the furthest we're travelling pretty much in Paris, obviously. When you're looking at the league, you're looking at Everton at home, Burnley, North West, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not changing too much of your routine to go to Burnley away, although it's a difficult place and can be a difficult place to go. Bournemouth away for the early kickoff, that's a bit of a pisser. But then Napoli and Man United, both home games, mm-hmm. really works to our advantage. Then you've got Wolves away, it's not far again. Yeah. You know, um, and then Newcastle home, Arsenal home. Yeah. Oh, no, I, 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 yeah, that's, I, that's all right. Newcastle are a bloody It can good be a lot worse. You know, I, I I love the idea of Newcastle on, on Boxing Day. I think that's going to be that's going to be an absolute belter of a fixture. I don't mind Wolves so much in that period because you mentioned it the other week. This is the period of Wolves don't rotate. Yeah, they do not rotate their sides. They're going to have to rotate their sides around this because everyone has to. And this is normally when the cream rises because champ, uh, Champions League sides actually uh, and Europe they League sides struggle. Well, they do struggle a bit when that in that period where the, the European games are thick and fast but they're, you're right they are used to the process by that point whereas all these other teams who are constructed to have 11 good players they always start to tail off and that's when the, the league the league table takes shape you always have that point like there's always that one team that does really well Wofford have tailed off a little bit in the last couple of weeks to be fair but and the last couple of years at this stage yeah exactly but you always had like uh, you always had one outlier didn't you early on Bournemouth have actually been it a bit this season as well haven't they you know who like a Blackpool being in, in contention till like November December and then it all it all that falls Blackpool apart. one is the outlier it's the, it's the one that everybody thinks of yeah, when you yeah, say yeah. that exactly and so in that regard you know Wolves that's probably Probably amongst the best times to play Wolves, even though they are a good team and they have caused problems to our to our route. I mean, Man City. But importantly, you know, you're looking at four days between Watford PSG, four days between PSG Everton, three days between Burnley and Bournemouth, three days between Bournemouth and Napoli. Then you get a little bit of respite because you've got five days between Napoli and Man United, both mm-hmm. home games, and then five days between Man United and Wolves, yeah. and then five days again between Wolves and Newcastle it's this early period where we've got like the, the games are really coming well that's the fast. thing for me and that's why as much as I, I you want I want to look at Watford, Burnley, Bournemouth and go Watford, Burnley, Bournemouth ha 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 easy fixtures and yet we are notoriously shit at Vicarage Road we struggle against Burnley away, away from home we've you know again what we we, we last last gasp Clavan winner mm. last season we lost it the season before Bournemouth away, you can't help but think of the games where they, you know, they they turn it around, carry us howlers and all that. You know, we should be better than this. But these for me are the games where if anyone's looking to Liverpool to kick up a gear and start snotting teams five or six. Listen, if we start, if we snot these teams five or six nil, we're absolutely winning the league this season. By the way, but just as much, I am, I am, I am here all day long for ground, just like I want Crystal Palace away all day long, just like that. Ones and one and two nillers. Keep it tight. Don't concede too many chances. Grind out some wins. I do not care how we go and get them because I think it will be overlooked. Particularly Burnley, Bournemouth away back to back because because you're dead right. We could be we could finish that Bournemouth game 
by that Bournemouth weekend, clear top of the Premier League with the with the league title in our hands, and and that for me is is that's such a massive test. It will be underestimated because everyone will look at Bournemouth and Burnley and go, "It's Bournemouth and Burnley," but the fact that it's awaiting and the, the pressure that could well be on us at that point, that for me is the, the biggest test of our metal. And it's almost like I'm glad that we've been quite pragmatic in the start of the season because when I look at that, I'd rather this Liverpool, the Liverpool that we've yes. seen so far this season play those games than last season's Liverpool because as much as everyone was jizzing in the pants about Liverpool being this free-flowing attacking force, it didn't help us. In, in, it hasn't helped us in that type of games under Jurgen Klopp. We need to be very, very hard to beat first and foremost. So it's exciting in that really gut-churning arse It's going to be so difficult. Horrendous. As a fan, mm. the worst period of games. Because, yeah. as you say, that you know Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth, in isolation, you're going three points, three points, three points. But when you start to consider how few days there are in between games... And not only that, but what's riding on this? Well, Chris, we've got PSG away in the midst of that. And we're not even talking about the ramifications of that. Is that if we don't win that game, it makes Napoli an absolute 100% nailed on, you know, fight or die. Or, you know, you could end up the Europa League looming on the horizon like one of those terrible cars used to take on the uh, Top Gear you know, foreign challenges or whatever, just following you along. Just someone's just someone's just playing a trumpet with like the the, the Europa League music following behind you. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, so no, this is the and this is why I talk about it. And again, I'm, you can take any ten game spell of the season and really judge it if you if you really want to. But this is where it kicks on, and this is why the team that is top of the league at Christmas more often than not ends up winning the league because if you can get through that period. Um, in that in that kind of position, then yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting note, as mentioned, obviously City Chelsea on December the eighth is that's the only game I look at Man City, Chris, and think if Chelsea can't do it, then we might have to just win every game, shrug our shoulders, season. and just stop. You know what I mean? And just you know, look, get on with our own lives to some extent. You have to anyway, because mm. you can't affect Manchester City's performances. You can't judge your season by Manchester City's. Manchester City are a great side, and they've proved that last season, and they're proving it again this season. Don't take your happiness from them. Take your happiness from Liverpool winning games of football. And I hope that through these ten games, Liverpool keep winning games of football to keep us all happy. Yeah, I look at their fixtures, and they've got West Ham away, Leon away. Yeah, um, Bournemouth the home. The Etihad. They did. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, Wofford away, Wofford away, Chelsea away in four, you know, with a four-day span, is in, is a very interesting set of fixtures for them. I look at it and they just, again, they just don't have the thing that we've got. You know, us having Napoli, Man United back to back, that's a twat of a week for Liverpool. And you look at them. I mean, yes, Chelsea away, followed by Hoffenheim at home. It, it's just not. It's just not the same. Now they do have a League Cup game to to to, to factor into this, which is another game of footy, which is another thing that won't be considered but could work in our favour just in terms of just a bit a bit more energy sapping. So that long ago, you know, they've got Everton, then another game, then Crystal Palace, albeit both at home. It's just fine. It's fine for them. It's all it's always fine for them. Um so yeah, I think you're dead right on this one. It's Man City I feel though Man City are gonna drop points in a really weird way. I just I think that's I just feel like that's how it's gonna happen. I can't see it happening like I think I think everyone's going to go. Well, it's done. They're probably going to beat Chelsea. Everyone's going to go. There you go, league done and dusted. And then, I mean, no, I can't be the F because I won't put any faith in Everton whatsoever. But it'll be it'll be a mad it'll be a mad game. I think where they'll drop points. So it could be as like as something daft like Crystal Palace at home, the Hodge. That would be nice. A couple of days before like Christmas. That. I would enjoy that. That would yeah. be a nice little yeah. Christmas present to the Liverpool fans, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, and Chelsea Spurs this weekend is another one where it'd be nice for Chelsea just to just to slip away a little bit, just to start putting a bit of distance. I want that. We're not that far ahead of Spurs. We're only three points out of Spurs. Yeah, right? true enough, but Spurs have lost a game of football they've this lost, season. They've lost three, yeah. but they're only three points <laughs> behind us because we've drawn three, Paul. That's yeah. how it's working, you know. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't make any odds to me. Everyone's like Chelsea and Manchester City, and I'm like, hang on a minute there. Spurs, notoriously slow starters, yeah. and they're as close to the top of the league at this point yeah. than they've probably ever been, yeah. and that worries me. 
It's bonkers, like. But fortunately, their squad is smaller than the rest of the teams in the top six. Yeah. And that is going to be their undoing, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think just, I think, as I said to you, I think you need, I need Chelsea to lose a game before we lose a game. So at least we can go. And whether it matters or not, because you know that's not enough points to go. Ah, oh, brilliant! There you go. There's our, it. Just doesn't matter, Man City, of course. But as I said, I think that the league will start to just relax and start to become more enjoyable once we get over this whole this three teams unbeaten who could literally go and do an invincible most season this competitive season. league in the world. Three teams unbeaten. Yeah, anybody can beat anyone. Three. <laughs> ridiculous um, great right fantastic we're going to move on to some of your questions um, but as always if you want to discuss anything further please do use the comments on YouTube or you can tweet us at the Redman TV Stephen Canning at Normal Steve uh, oh we can talk about Liverpool fighting period poverty free menstruation products available on match days brilliant absolutely brilliant I've seen weirdos complaining about this online because people are weirdos and they like to complain about things and I think there's, a, there's an entitlement culture where People go, whoa, 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 what do men get for free? Yeah, men don't, <laughs> men don't get charged for a natural process that literally you have no control over. Everyone, you know, if you want to limit that, you know, there's instances where you have to. I mean, you can get birth control on the NHS, but you know, there's, there's things you have to go through to literally stop it. It's a concept. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand the concept. Who probably don't spend enough time with women. Um, I think Liverpool doing this, it's 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 a bit of a no-brainer. I didn't know about it until it until it really? turns up on on the on the agenda. A, I think it was brilliant. Of, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. When yeah, first, I, I, I looked it up it? and it was like the eighth of November or something. Liverpool put a statement out and thought that's brilliant. Like you know, I don't go in the women's toilets. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, just from running, but we both we've both managed restaurants and pubs in the past. It's an astounding world. The the the, the ladies' toilets is like it's like a it's like a. It's like Narnia before you know when it's when it's a really nice place and then when it's a really horrendous place. It's like you, you, they should be the same place, but it's not. The the men's is like a frozen wasteland, yeah. and the ladies is like a magical kingdom. I basically. remember working in Barmed in Leeds. I'd worked there for a few months or whatever, and it was like it was one of those bars that was it was in the business area of town, and it was downstairs in a bit of a basement, and it was it was almost a pre club. Night, so you'd go there and then you'd go on to the club that was open till six in the morning, and it was dead busy. And I worked there for a couple of months, and ended up having to go in and clean the women's. And I walked in, I was like, "There's sofas in here. <laughs> What's going on?" And like beautiful plants and lit up mirrors and all that. And like we get a trough, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, "What's going on Just here?" A like pissy, didn't, smelly didn't hole in the Didn't use the men's again when we were open. <laughs> no way am I going and using the men's toilet when there's. A gazillion cubicles in there and sofas for a little sit down after a really tough shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, yeah, another world. The, the warmer, they smell nicer and often carpeted. Um, ridiculous. Genuinely, you can't any... carpet a men's toilet. No, you cannot. I no. mean, you can if you want a carpet that's ringing with piss. Uh, absolutely, go for it. Um, no, another world. Uh, but anyway, we digress. Um, yeah, brilliant. Look, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where it's been a movement. It's a shame that it's had to be a movement. It's shame. It's a shame that it's twenty eighteen going into twenty nineteen and someone's gone. Isn't it a bit unfair that women have to pay for sanitary products? Where it's again, it's just a, it's just a, a natural. It's ridiculous. It's like you know, it, it it should be. If you're ever wondering about it, imagine if, and this would be true of, of both sexes, of course. Imagine if you had to pay for toilet roll in in the in a public in a public toilet. Think of it. Just think of it that way, because having a poo is a natural process, and it's it's all stuff. So yeah. Anyway, thanks very much, Liverpool, for actually. Someone's going to listen to this here. and go, let's charge for toilet roll. There's money to be made here. Wankers. Um, <laughs> Andy Lochley, uh, Andy Lochley says, uh, if you could relegate either Man United or Everton, who would it be? Man United. Man United. It's Man United, yeah, all day. I, I like the derby, and we could, and we've got a very we beat Everton far more often than we beat Man United. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Stop typing. Yeah, done. Um, Emil, uh, who's a subscriber to the RedmenTV.com, this came on uh, in the comment section underneath our subscriber Q and A. Says question. All players and coaches can now wear earpieces slash headsets and communicate freely. How do you think the game would change? Who do you think would gain an advantage? They're really clever people. Yeah. Like, the dumbasses would go straight away because we've used those headsets when you're supposed to be doing something else. And, like, also the people who scare easily, they're gone. Because all of a sudden, you're running down the wing, you've got the ball at your feet, and then... 
All right, mate, you're going, ah, shit, what's going on there? You'd absolutely crap yourself. Am I right? I don't think this would suit Jürgen Klopp, like, because... He's just too emotional. Now, of course, he gets. I guess he gets to choose when he can't doesn't does. But who are you speaking to? You got to flick buttons to speak to individual players, or you're on a broadcast all. Yeah, because broadcast all's mental. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, we so we've done this in the past. We've done like deadline day live shows and like the earpiece for the presenters thing. And you, if you've never used one before, it's a it's just horrendous. It's an you're essentially midpoint, and then someone will go, someone's just gabbing in your ear about like camera positioning and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, <laughs> nah. It's, Nah, ta-da, see you later. We we came up with the whiteboard system after that. Um, just everything I need to do, hold it up on a big whiteboard for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's mental. Because I think, I mean, Jürgen said it, actually said it to me about how it's tough because he has to shout. And we go, well, you shout all the time. I have to shout because you can't be like, pass it to the wing because no one's going to hear you because you've got 50,000 people all vying for everyone's attention. Um but he is so emotional on the touchline as well that you wouldn't want that getting well, in the it, way. It, would, it, it could ruin relationships with players. It's like, mm. fuck you, Robbo. useless <laughs> <gobshake."> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, know, I, I know you don't. I think Raffers. I think Raffers would affect. Would be. Would probably get a good benefit from it. I think he would because he's. He loves. To, he'd love to he control. Loves to he yeah. would love to individually control every player on the pitch. Oh, absolutely. He? he would. Yeah, he would be like over there with strings yeah. and and you know all kinds of stuff. But there was a, I was watching a really interesting American football uh, documentary. I'm so sorry. Um, Mike Holmgren is like his football in life, and he was he was a coach uh, of the yeah of the Seattle Seahawks, and he had a quarterback called Matt Hasselback, and he actually had to say to him when we're both fiery characters. When you come off the field, let's give each other five minutes before we speak to each other because they just end up in screaming matches and nothing would get solved. Klopp could have those difficulties, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and most managers would. I think it'd be absolutely ridiculous to do something like this in the game. Yeah. It would be absolutely insane. But there are defo coaches who'd be... Who'd be all over it. Bang up for it, like, bang up for it. Brilliant. Let, let I mean, I'm, I'm all in on, like, electrocuting players and stuff like that, you know. Oh, that That's funny, if yeah. you've not seen that shock video. Shock electric shock football. Incredible. Um, right, yeah, we've got the bonus Q&A coming up, so if you subscribe to the redmentv.com, you can get answers to questions like, would you rather have a bum for a face or a face for a bum? Um, while Liverpool player passed our present to lead us through Brexit, um, our all-time 11 of players who wish we'd made it at Liverpool, but it never worked out for them. Uh, and talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold's future, amongst other things. Um, you can get that it's completely free for the first month if you want to go and sign up and get more of this kind of stuff you, easy 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 on the snackage uh, thanks very much again to BA52 this is this, this is I'm. this is no exaggeration I've just found my Christmas beer hmm? in this in this moose moose chocolate stout stuff and I didn't think that was possible because I've not, again I've not really been drinking much and I was tempted to just go to go to go dry over Christmas. That's now not happening. Um, and, I found yeah. my morning beer anyway. There you go. <laughs> I've had my get me through me day beer. Um, brilliant. Thanks very much to Beer Fifty Two. And as you say, get over to www.beer52.com forward slash Redmen TV to claim your offer. The link will be in the description underneath. Uh, other than that, yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much for watching and for listening. And of course, to my wonderful partner in crime, Mr. Chris Pajak. Feeling it. Mm. Feeling a little bit heady. That's great. The bonus Q&A is going to be astounding. Get involved. Walk on.